You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach talking Atlanta Braves with MLB.com's Braves beat reporter, Mark Bowman. Mark, the Braves finally did what I think a lot of people had been arguing for them to do, and a lot of people were terrified they were going to do for nearly all winter. Uh, and cashed in on uh, a guy with enormous trade value and maybe not a ton of actual value to the 2015 Braves, Craig Kimbrell. Um, first, just broadly, what was it that got them to that point that they were they were willing to do something that really nearly all winter they said they weren't going to do? I think there was the, the the point that you touched on that here. This is a club. Look, they know they're not going to win this division. You know, maybe they can flirt with 80 to you know, right, right there around the 500 mark. Uh, well, what is the value in a clo- with a, a closer on that kind of club? But at the, at the end of the day, the, the impetus behind this deal was simply they have tried and tried and tried to move Melvin up in Junior's contract all winter. The only way they were going to move it, uh, they realized, was to attach uh, Craig Kimbrell uh, to the deal. It's one that, you know, not only did they give up a, a great closer, uh, they gave up a, a, a you know great clubhouse guy. I just talked to John Hart here just a few minutes ago, and, and he this is you know days later, and he still says, "Hey, look, this is probably the hardest trade I've ever had to make." He, you know, he he said something about uh, you know he, he thought the Kenny Lofton deal that he made to the Braves back in 1997 when he was with the Indians. Uh, he hated giving up that guy, but uh, you know, and he didn't even have a lot of time to get to know Craig Kimbrell, but. Um, at the same time, I, this this was the right deal for the Braves in, in so many different ways. You know, it frees them up financially. Uh, it, uh, from from the financial aspect, the burden of um, Upton's contract is gone. Uh, I don't, you know, you never know the, the lifespan of a closer uh, is volatile. You know, maybe maybe Craig Kimbrell does prove to be one of those special guys, but those special guys are few and far between that are able to. to do it at that level for that length of time. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, what is the value if you're not going to be, you know, a 91 team? So it's, uh, they, they've just, they're, you know, brighten their future a little bit more with this deal. Here's one of the questions to me. And, and, you know, this was not just a salary dump. They, they brought in some real talent here, but, um, and, and I think they've done that a lot this winter, but to me, the interesting question with the Upton contract is this is not, really a high payroll club. I don't think there's a question they couldn't have paid him. Now, I realize you don't want to pay a guy you're not playing, but the question to me is they're, they're presumably not going to spend that money this year because there, there are no free agents left, but is that cleared payroll space going to be rolled into the 2016 and 2017 rosters? Is, that, is, is moving this deal going to allow them – to be competitive again quicker, or is it just a matter of getting out from under a bad contract? I think there is going to be some flexibility there. You, you know, I, without using a specific number, uh, just because there are some some variables. But if you look at the the, the uh, guys that they have uh, locked up, and maybe throw in a couple of the, the ARB guys, you know where they're going to be and project where their ARB numbers are going to be. There's still around 65 to 70 million dollars commitment both the next two years, and we're talking basically nine, nine to ten guys. And, you know, so that that leaves you limited flexibility with their payroll if it if it remains around 100 million. I do expect it to go up a little bit. We don't know exactly how much, but um, let's say you you had 
Upton's contract still in there. That $15 million, when, when you don't expect to get much value out of the players over the remainder of his contract, just providing that a little bit uh, extra flexibility, yeah, I do expect them to be players, uh, whether it's via trade, uh, the free agent market. Obviously, the fans are going to say, well, if you need a bat in the free agent market next year, you know, the two guys are going to be Justin Upton and Jason Hayward. I, I don't necessarily expect either of those guys to come back you know, but at the same time, the Braves are going to have the financial flexibility to to go after guys, you know, via trades, uh, that, you know, that maybe they couldn't have had they uh, continued to be burdened by DJ's uh, contract. Well, one thing I was struck by is they began, as, as comments started coming out and people started talking about what this deal meant and where the Braves were going to go, I was really struck by the fact that it doesn't seem that Cameron Maben steps in and becomes a center fielder. Uh, maybe I'm out of step with, with everybody. I think this guy's a really good ball player, um, and, and the numbers in San Diego kind of don't do him justice, but I think that's a tough ballpark for him. Um, what's the, uh, what's the, the, the thought process with Mabin? Was he just a guy to kind of balance this out, or, or is he at least going to have the opportunity to play himself into being something close to an everyday center fielder? Yeah, I think from a financial aspect, he somewhat balances out. But at the same time, unlike Carlos Quentin, he provides some some value. When I say Carlos Quentin, he truly was just a guy that just uh, that, that balanced out the financial aspect of the deal. Um, with, with Maven, you know, truth be told, you know what I you know what I think Maven needs to do. I think he needs to come here and start to play a little bit and show Freddie Gonzalez he's still he's not still the young kid that he had when he was managing him with the Marlins. I, I think. Freddie still envisions him as that guy. And for now, you know, he views his role as a, a guy who will get some starts against some uh, some, right, some left-handed starters and uh, be used as a defensive replacement, whereas, you know, he'll come, he'll enter uh, games when the Braves have a lead late. Uh, go play center, and Eric Young Jr. will go to left. It you know, improves you at, at both positions there in the late innings. But, yeah, I, I think, as you said, maybe he's still young enough. He's had some injuries. Uh, he was hurt by the ballpark he played in the last couple of years. Um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if this guy tries. He's a you know North Carolina kid. He's he's really excited about this opportunity. Um, he, he seems to be a very likable guy, a guy who who brings some energy uh, to the ballpark. So yeah, may, maybe he does uh, prove to be one of the surprises this year. But at the same time, I think. What's going to happen is he's going to he's he's going to have to prove himself to Freddie Gonzalez because it feels like Freddie still views him as the the kid who struggled when he played for him uh, when they were together with the Marlins. I, yeah, I, so Eric Young Jr. is still the primary center fielder for now. <laughs> I, I, I I'm starting to think that Eric your Eric Young Jr. is to you like Kiaspo is to me. You know, you, you don't like him, and I <laughs> I don't like Kiaspo. But no, I mean. For for now, for now, yes. And um, you know they they don't have any other options. But, hey, look, maybe Maven can play himself into that role. At least Freddie did put Maven in, uh, you know, there at uh, on uh, Wednesday night there at the season or the series finale against the Marlins. He's talking about starting him Friday night uh, against the left-hander when the Mets throw Jonathan Nice. Um, the one attraction that Eric Young brings is that they feel he is the one legitimate leadoff option they have. But hey, look, if you if you have a 640 on base percentage, then 
you know, you're not an. It doesn't matter how fast you are or what what traits you have to be a leadoff hitter. I guess my thought with Maben, and and to me the reason he's intriguing is um, he's potentially under team control at, at, for two more years, and he's making a decent amount of money. He's making seven this year, eight, and the option is for nine. But if he's even a, a pretty good hitter and a plus center fielder, that's not a bad contract. And and to me it just seems like. Maybe it's a long shot, but this guy might actually be the center fielder for your next good team. He's young. He's shown a broad base of skills at various times. Again, I, I like him more than most people. I understand that. But even if it's a 10 or 20% chance, there is some percentage chance that when this 16, 17, when they are sort of reconstructed and ready to go forward, it's not inconceivable that this guy could be the center fielder. So. Is that I guess what I, what I would ask is is that part of the thought process at least at the organizational level if not the manager's level that even if it's a long shot this guy is potentially a long term asset. Yeah, I, I yeah I think that they they view that as a possibility. I I think that that maybe you have maybe more faith in them than I've heard from others in the organization. Um, you know, I, for now we they, they kind of view him as a piece. Uh, a, a guy who you know can, can help provide some 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 of that late inning flexibility, uh, but no, yeah, I mean this here's a guy who what you know coming up through 08, 09, probably as recently as that he was one of the top ten overall prospects in the game. Um, he comes up and, and has some success, and, and and like you said, battled some injuries, and and it's never a great for anyone to go to uh, Petco Park and have to hit so. Um, and, and you know what? We're only a couple years removed. His last fully healthy season, I think he hit 262 with a uh, you know respectable on base percentage. So, hey, maybe maybe by the end of the year you'll be right, Matthew. Maybe he can be that guy. But but right now, what I would say uh, from the organization standpoint, I don't I don't view them uh, seeing him as the same kind of player that, that you do right now. Wouldn't be the first or last time. Um, we're, we're running along, but I did want to come go uh, one last thing, uh, maybe the most obvious angle about this deal. Uh, what do they do in the late innings here? Is, is it is it just Grilly? Is it any element of mix and match? What do they do in the absence of Kimbrell at the back of the game? Yeah, you know, the, you know, the Braves go out and they win three in a row. And, and people say, wow, wow, you know. Hey, look, you know, Julio Tehran and Alex Wood uh, – Shelby Miller, that's pretty good. I mean, there are few, very few guys that are going to match up against, you know, minus the Jordan Zimmerman's, Clayton Kershaw's, where, where you're going to, you know, feel like they're overmatched, and they wouldn't be overmatched in those. So I'm just saying, you know, hey, look, those, you send those guys to the mound, you feel good. What, what, I, what the Braves need to feel good about, or a little better, let's not say feel good about, feel better about, uh, was that you, you saw Luis Avalon, Brandon, Brandon kind of have some success there in the middle innings because. You get rid of Craig Campbell and you say, okay, uh, Jim Johnson and Jace really can handle the late innings. And, and obviously it's a little bit of a gamble there considering what they had both did last year. Uh, but, you know, hey, look, if, if you feel like your late innings are, are solid, it still doesn't matter if you can't take, you know, get the outs in the sixth and seventh innings. And, and, you know, three games doesn't guarantee you anything, but at least they have the feeling, hey, look, maybe, maybe Kniff, become something and if Luis Avalon is back to where he was in 2013 then then that that helps bridge the gap a little bit more and, and maybe they can get Juan Jaime and some of these other uh Cody Martin who was very good in his major league debut the other night you know if you, if you just get one extra arm now all of a sudden 
you know, you get that much more depth. The depth that was hurt when they lost Chase uh, Simmons, you know, back in uh, what was that February when he went down with Tommy John surgery. So um, they're going to have to mix and match. The biggest concern for this club, though, you know, despite what you saw there in Miami, remains: will they be able to get through those middle innings uh, to protect the lead to give it to Gurley and Johnson? All right, well, Mark Bowman, thanks for taking some time to chat here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.